Hey guys, Ryan DeMint from True Podcast. I hope you are having a great day. I wanted to open up this week's show on a little bit of a different note. Things have been crazy in the world. I know that. And I just have to say the extremists that we have going on or the extremes, I should say, that we have going on in the world, whether it be on our shores or somewhere else, is crazy. And it's really tearing apart humanity. And it doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right, political view-wise. Um, this, is, this is not a statement from a political standpoint for me. It's from my heart. And we're all human beings. Um, the people of, of, of Afghanistan... They they deserve better um, than being taken over by a pretty uh, pretty bad group of people that looks to harm them. Um, and being able to help them, I don't know how much more we could help them. Uh, whether you like it or not, my opinion is um, there was four presidents involved in this, and all four Democrats and Republicans, two on each side, were all at fault. And there's nothing else to say other than that. They all they all had their chances to get us out of the mess, and it didn't happen. So it's good that you know we're starting to get out. The bad thing is it's ill prepared, and it's causing more issues than we want and i don't know if it could be done differently i don't know enough but i can tell you you know the optical of these uh afghanis that are um wanting to get on these airplanes from these clips i saw online or on the news that's pretty scary that they would be willing to jump on a moving airplane and try to stay on it and have no idea where to go, just knowing that they will not be located in Afghanistan anymore. That tells me a lot. That tells me that they're hungry for something more than what they have, and they know, unfortunately, what the Taliban is going to do. And it's not going to be pretty. What happened to us here in the United States? It just... It seems like uh, we've lost it. We can't communicate with one another. Uh, if we have differing opinions, it seems that uh, we cancel one out. We don't talk to one another because of those things. Uh, whatever happened to the good old adage, hey, you can agree to disagree and move on. I don't, I don't know why we can't do that today. And we as humans, Americans, however you want to say it, wherever you're from, we all have the same problem. There's a communication issue. And if we don't solve that gap soon, uh, we're going to be in a world of hurt for many generations to come because it's, it's taking only a generation to destroy it, and it's going to take many generations to fix it again. Um, and, and it just, it's, it's miserable. It's sad. And I haven't even got to the point of, you know, we lost, I think, 2,400 people. Americans in the military in Afghanistan. And for those that served, thank you. Those who are serving, thank you. And God rest their soul of the ones that actually passed away.
it's it's one life is too much and not being able to have communications with each other as a human being is tough and then we're fighting over who did right and who did wrong i mean in the end why don't we band together and find a way to make it right help the people that helped us for the last 20 years in afghanistan and at the same time start fixing our problems we have a communication problem we have the ability to fix it we just have not done it and it's going to be a long struggle back and guys all i've got to say i'm not going to keep on harping on it i'd rather just get into the video is we got to do a better job of communicating and respecting one another otherwise the art of communication and discussion and talk is gone which it is already unfortunately um it's it's gone down a deep dark hole and we need to be able to pull it back out otherwise there's no there's no coming back from this it's we're in a bad place and i try to be as positive as i can but this is bad and we need to start making change or we're just not going to be able to correct this ship and it's going to be lost all right guys let's get into it the three true topics we're talking about this week one is there another housing bubble looming two small homes hitting the market and three the one thing we don't talk about a lot in this channel or at least i I want to, but I keep on forgetting, is the F word. Stay tuned for what that is. All right, guys, topic number one, three signs another housing bubble is looming in the U.S. This is from Insider, and always remember, links will be in the show notes for sure. So they're talking about, they're comparing today's market, 2021, 2020, 2021, whatever you want to say, to the last downturn of 2006, 2007. They're saying experts dismiss housing bubble concerns earlier this year, but they are not anymore. Key data points are on track to reach bubble level soon, though most sit below their 2006 peaks. So one of the first topics they bring up is uh, the current surge is, quote, rooted in economics. And they're saying the sudden shift to remote work powered historic demand for homes and supply was limited due to decades of underbuilding. Those two dynamics sparked the buying spree seen throughout the back half of 2020 and early 2021. We all knew that. But then they, they go on to say the market is also plagued by a huge item called FOMO. Hello, we talked about it on this channel. FOMO, how many times have I talked about it? <whistles> Hello, I'm here. Um, and they're saying this FOMO is, is really driven by the Fed's lowering of interest rates. But they also are saying um, that these interest rates are ominous or looking towards 2006. I have not gone back and looked at all the data on 2006 and 2008. I'll do a separate video on that. So I, I will go with them on that piece. 
But the one, the big piece that they come up with, and we've talked about this on the show also, is the S&P Case-Shiller Index. They're saying the index is at the highest level it's been even for 2006-2007. It looks like from this article, the index was roughly about 180 to 182, maybe 85 in 2006. And 2020-2021, we're over 240. So we're back to that adage that I said that cost per square foot is out of control. Here in the Phoenix market, houses are starting to sit, and they're starting to sit for 5, 7, 10 days, and we're now seeing consistent price cuts. And they're not price cuts of $1,000. We're seeing five and $10,000 price cuts. Um, again, in the neighborhood I'm in, I do not live in a Toll Brothers. I live in an average Joe house. I'm just an average Joe guy. Uh, they have standing inventory. They have this behemoth of a 3,500 square foot home that's going for 616000 I think. And they have standing inventory on that. Before, they were selling out lots like it was going out of style. And now they're sitting. Um, I have not seen price reductions on those yet, and I'll keep an eye on them. But in the next topic that we discuss, uh, you'll see what I'm talking about when it comes to the higher-end houses. Um, The last piece that they talk about is homes are selling with bubble-like intensity and then days on market. Everybody's heard the the nightmare stories of the bids um, and the crazy wars. Out here, they're still going to uh, blind bids. Uh, I do hear they're still doing lotteries. Those are for the new builds. For existing, I, I just think they're submitting, but I'm not sure. I have to do some homework on that. But at the same time, these houses are sitting longer and longer. Um, and I might as well look now. Let's do the famous lumber check. Lumber check. Lumber futures closed today for September at $458. To give you guys perspective, pre-pandemic, the low that it hit was $452.20. So we're pretty close to that. Like I said earlier, mark my words, we will have a rebound, a bounce, and this is probably going to settle in the $600 range to $700 range. That's just my opinion because I just don't, I just don't see it sitting at these all-time lows, especially with um, some. We have we have some uh, some problems going on from the supply chain perspective, and when I say that, if you guys haven't heard. China shut down their third largest port uh, by 25% last week, and it seems like they're going to cut it down even further uh, for the simple fact one of their employees tested positive for COVID. So they are shutting it down as quickly as they possibly can. And then we're back to chip shortages, which I don't think they ever left. And we actually have some other issues starting to pop up. If you guys haven't noticed, there's a thing called inflation going on. Uh, things are getting more expensive and the items that we had problems with during the first run of COVID are starting to become scarce 
as the Delta variant uh, becomes more pronounced, people are becoming um, more worried. So we have things flying off the shelves again. Are we going to go through that again to that extreme? I don't know. Um, all you can do is prepare for that and go through the whole process. But as it stands today, we have some chinks in our armor and we've got to figure out how to keep these supply chains open and going. Otherwise, these delivery in time or just in time options are not going to work. And it's going to cause more trouble than it's worth for us. And we'll be back to paying, you know, $20 for hand sanitizer again. I'm just saying that. I don't know if it's going to go there, but it's just the first thing. Or the rationing of toilet paper. It, it's just things are going to get out of control if we do not um, keep an eye on it and make sure things are going well. And then inflation is just robbing us blind and no one wants to talk about it, but let's not digress. True topic two. This is also from Insider. More small houses are starting to hit the market, and it's another sign the, the bonkers housing market is starting to get a little better. It's interesting. One day they say there's a housing bubble. The next is, hey, it's getting better because smaller houses are coming to the market. So they're, they're saying their highlights are the real estate market is slowly getting better, particularly for anyone looking for a small house. When they say small house, we're talking 1,500 square feet. Uh, the share of small houses for sale jumped in July, uh, plus new listings are up 6.5% for homes getting more affordable, and competition is slowed. So their, their first, their first uh, topic says, according to a recent report from the real estate website Redfin, there's less competition now than there has ever been in, few, in the last few months. Homes are spending longer on market, 16 days on average nationwide, um, and that's for the first time since 2018. They're also saying sellers are, have also started dropping their prices with a share of listings uh, that had price drops in July rising to 4.7, but they don't give you a percentage of what it was in June. So I'm wondering if that's much of an increase or not. And then the other piece, which I've talked about before, forward-looking. If people aren't applying for mortgages, you know the housing demand is going to go down, and that fluctuates. And, that, and that's a piece of the equation that we have to be on the lookout for. And they're saying fewer people are applying for mortgages. The Mortgage Bankers Association reported that applications dropped 1.7% week over week during the week ending July 30th. Uh, hitting the lowest level since May 2020. I also have the most recent uh, MBA, Mortgage Bankers Association, update on applications. And through the week of the 13th of August, they were up 3.4%, so they fluctuate. We just have to see what the month-over-month, year-over-year looks like, and if there's a trend in those numbers when you go quarterly and then start looking at semi-annually. Um, I don't think there was anything else in this, but they're still saying there's competition out there, but they're saying it's in a share uh, that is larger than 1,500 square feet and there are houses that are being sold for over a half a million dollars. So every market's different here. 
we've got standing inventory. They do not say what markets they're referring to. So I'm a little curious on that. I'm not saying every market's like Phoenix. I'm not I'm never going to get to that. But I'm just curious what they're, where they're getting their data from because they do not disclose that on their article. And then the MBA, what I talked about, the last topic, the F word, forbearance. So MBA reported yesterday, August 16th, share of mortgage loans and forbearance decreases to 3.26%, which they're saying is 1.6 million homeowners are in forbearance plans. Okay. I mean, at the height, it was 12 million. Um, It's down to 1.6 million. But I have another another way to look at this, but we'll go through this really quick and hit the highlights here. It says total loans and forbearance decreased by 14 basis points relative to the prior week from 3.4 to 3.26. Um, the piece that I wanted to highlight, it's forbearance by stage. 9.7% of total loans and forbearance are in the initial forbearance plan stage while 82.8% are in the forbearance extension. The remaining 75 are in forbearance re-entries. So you have a large sum of this 1.6, 82% are sitting in extended forbearance terms, which means they've gone past the 12 months and now they're into either 18 months or 24 months of forbearance. And then you have 7.5% of people that came out of forbearance, couldn't make a payment, and they had to come back in. I think there's more to these numbers, and I can't tell you for sure or not, and I have to dig into this. It just seems awfully low that only 1.6 million homes are in forbearance. And I'll share another source. It's from the census. It's self-reported data, and there is going to be some rental piece in there, um, but they have a confidence level. They say 90%, but again, this is self-reported data, and and I don't know how valid it is. Um, Just like I don't know how valid this MBA data is. I'm just going by what they're telling me, and I try to read through it to understand what's going on. Um, it says the other piece that I want to talk about on this on the MBA is of the cumulative forbearance exits in the period between June 1st, 2020 through August 8th, 2021 key 28.2% resulted in loan deferral, partial claim. So that's telling you that these people coming out of forbearance either said, whoopsie, I can't continue to make a payment. I don't want to make a payment, whatever, or they have a partial claim which means, hello, it's going to be foreclosed. It's starting that process, unfortunately. 22.7% represented borrowers who continue to make their monthly payments during the forbearance period. 16.1% represented borrowers who did not make all of their monthly payments and exited forbearance without a loss mitigation plan in place yet. 16.1%. So they exited forbearance. They're not making payments. They're past due. Loss mitigation is a payment plan. Let's call it that. 
that helps you to get back on your feet to bring your loan current so they can help you br- help you get back into your normal payments. But ultimately, that loss mitigation plan is going to increase your payment over time because whatever is past due that they wrap back into the loan on the back end, which potentially can extend terms, one, or two, increase your payments, um, will affect you. So there's two options there. You can extend terms, which they'll add more months to your loan, which in term, you shouldn't see much, uh, or in term, uh, in theory, you shouldn't see much of a increase in your payment. But if they're slapping it back on the back end of your loan, and you have a, either a balloon payment or it's just a dollar amount that's due, it, it's, it's going to increase your payment over time. 13.2% resulted in reinstatements in which past due amounts are paid back when the exiting the forbearance. So 13% of people made payments, cleared up their, their past due amount, and became current. 11% resulted in loan modification or trial loan modification. 74 resulted in loans paid off through either a refinance or selling the home. And they're saying the, the remaining 1.4% resulted in repayment plans, short sales, deed and lose, or other reasons, which other reasons are foreclosure. So there's some numbers in there that I want to play with. And in another video, I will get... Uh, in the weeds, as I would say, and be able to find exactly what is going on. Um, because ultimately, I want to be able to provide you guys a clear number for what we're doing and what's going on um, at the end of the day. If we don't know what's going on in the marketplace, how are you supposed to make some educated decisions um so sorry the little delay there so the other thing i'm talking about is from the census bureau it's called the household pulse survey and they they title it measuring social and economic impacts during the coronavirus pandemic so when i go into the data Their website is a little slow. So they do this every week, and they say the data is nine in the ninety percent uh, in the ninety percent uh, margin of error. So it's a ten percent. So you take it for what it is. It, it gives you an idea. They have a category. So they have these categories. They have education, employment, food sufficiency, and security. Health, housing, spending, and transportation. So I'm going to the house portion. They do this every week. So I'm going into likelihood of eviction and forbearance. And this is through last week. They haven't put out this week. It's week 34. And the top state in the United States that they're saying that is likelihood of eviction. So this is their definition is percentage of adults living in households not current on rent or mortgage where eviction or foreclosure in the next two months is either very likely or somewhat likely. Likely. Top state, guess? Here, let's do that again. Louisiana. It's 
plus or minus, and they're saying 67.2% of households that they surveyed are in somewhat of being afraid of being evicted or um, foreclosed on. Next is just District of Columbia at 64.9, West Virginia 60.5, Minnesota at 59.4. You know, some of the ones that I thought would be higher um, are not. New York is 21.4. California is 29.7. And the great state of Arizona is at 36.8. Um, they, don't even, they don't even crack the top 10. And it, it's... Uh, it, now, I don't know what the questions are that they ask, and I'm trying to find that. But this data kind of gives me an idea of what's going on. Uh, from that standpoint, but then it also tells me from the other side of the business is the defaulted mortgages that potentially could be coming through state by state or from a national perspective is a lot larger than what the Mortgage Bankers Association is talking about because there's there are more people sitting out there that potentially are not even getting help or have been left behind for help that are not even reported in either of these numbers. So it could be less or more, I don't know, but this kind of gives me a direction. I mean, so if you start looking at some of these states, it's pretty bad. I mean, Idaho, 51.3%. Uh, Nebraska, 49.6%. I said West Virginia, as Dory did South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, 55.2%. Alabama, 49.0. So the, they are using a population, of course, anybody over the age of 18 um, that takes this survey. Um, and the, the, show, the notes that they talk about is percentages are based upon reporting distributions and do not include the populations that did not report a sp to a specific items. So... I, I don't know on that one. But anyhow, this gives us an idea of where things are going. Um, there is some problems out there in the in in this marketplace, and we're not talking about it, so I want to make sure we get it out there. And we need to stay focused on understanding the numbers, and I'll start digging into those more frequently uh, and start doing more videos on the, the bigger numbers and then start drilling down uh, on the on the other numbers so we can understand really what's going on in the hood all right guys thank you for st staying tuned please like subscribe share feedback i'm all for it i'm staying consistent this is week five uh i know we're starting to get uh, on a pattern but i thank you guys for watching i hope you guys have a great day and again stay safe stay stay positive communicate with others bridge the gap help others out and, and let's start being humans again and start working with one another it will come back around have a great day